Welcome to Creative Biolabs. 100% of the effort, 100% of the service. As a dynamic contract research organization, we are based in New York and serve the whole world. Our seasoned scientists are skilled in antibody discovery, antibody engineering, and biomanufacturing solutions. Hi, today I am very glad to have you to share with us your knowledge on antibody drug conjugates, or we call them the ADCs. As we all know that lots of ADC therapies have been proved efficiency in clinical studies. However, there are also many ADC failed to reach the standard and cannot be used. So can you give us a brief introduction on some major issues that are arising in ADC therapy? Okay, thanks for your invitation. AECs harness the power of antibody specificity to deliver potent cytotoxic drugs to malignant cells. Conceptually, ADCs widen the therapeutic window of potent cytotoxic drugs that would have been too toxic to deliver on their own without the targeting provided by the antibody. However, the enthusiasm and optimism for ADCs has been tamed by a string of setbacks in the clinic. A number of ADCs in clinical development were halted due to excessive toxicity or the inability to dose to sufficient levels to impart strong efficacy signals. There are now abundant data that identify two main causes of ADC failures in the clinic. The first one is the overly low antigen expression on tumors, resulting in insufficient toxin delivery to the tumor, especially within the confines of the clinical MTD established, by linker or payload driven off target toxicity, and the second one being too much antigen expression on normal healthy tissues, resulting in on target but off tumor toxicity. Why are off-target toxicities a major obstacle in ADC? The strongest data that suggest off-target toxicities are a major obstacle in ADC development comes from surveys of orostatin-based and matensine-based ADCs in clinical development. Although many different targets have been investigated in the clinical studies, the max-tolerated dose of the two commonly used payloads, orostatin-MMAE, and the matensinoid DM4, were determined to be in the 3 mg per kilogram and 5 mg per kilogram range, respectively. Further evidence that linker or payload-driven off-target toxicities dictate the clinical maximum tolerated dose is that, the dose-limiting toxicities of most ADCs, are more consistent with those of the free toxin, such as myelosuppression, and peripheral neuropathy, than with those expected from the antibody alone. For example, a dose-limiting toxicities for the anti-HER2 antibody trastuzumab is cardiotoxicity, that is thought to be an on-target toxicity, derived from HER2 expression in the heart. In contrast, the dose-limiting toxicities for TDM1, the MCCDM1 conjugated version of trastuzumab, is reversible thrombocytopenia, that is thought to be an off-target toxicity from the linker or payload. These data point to reducing linker or payload-driven off-target toxicity as a way to improve the clinical maximum tolerated dose and boost ADC efficacy. Are there any ways to reduce off-target linker or payload-driven off-target toxicity? A lot of efforts have been done to address this toxicity issue. Toxicity as a result of the linker or payload irrespective of the antibody target has been one of the most active areas of ADC research. Although only just the beginning and with limited data, 
there is a marker can be used for predicting off-target toxicity. When we talk about reducing the off-target toxicity, greater circulating half-life and exposure, have been correlated with less off-target toxicity and better tolerability. Since ABC linker or payloads are largely hydrophobic, numerous strategies have been proposed to increase the solubility of ABCs, and thereby improve their pharmacokinetic properties. These approaches include, limiting the number of linker or payloads per antibody molecule with site-specific conjugation, and improving the solubility of the linker payloads. What are other methods to improve the efficacy of ADC? Other than determining the linker or payload-driven maximum tolerated dose, one approach is to use more potent linker or payloads that could conceivably target lower expressing tumor antigens, such as DNA alkylating toxins, and ADCs with high drug antibody ratios. However, given that many of these potent next-generation linker or toxins are also accompanied by a reduction in maximum tolerated dose, it remains to be seen whether there will be an increased therapeutic window. Another approach is to redefine the ADC target space and target tumor antigens that would yield a more potent effect. You also mentioned that low antigen expression on tumors can result in insufficient toxin delivery to the tumor, especially within the confines of the clinical NTD, established by linker or payload-driven off-target toxicity. Then, in your opinion, what is an ideal tumor antigen? An ideal tumor antigen should have these five features. First, the high expression in tumors. This can drive high uptake of the drug. Also the high differential expression between tumor and normal tissues to avoid on-target toxicity, efficient internalization to deliver maximal toxin to the tumor cells, homogeneously expression on all tumor cells to reduce the likelihood of drug resistance, and the last one, sufficient prevalence in different tumors to warrant its development. But when targeting these five features, we really need to be careful. There has been a few attempts to target high prevalence and high expression tumor antigens, have resulted in on-target off-tumor toxicities. We have talked about how to reduce the off-target toxicity. What about methods to reduce the on-target off-tumor toxicities? Yes. One proposed solution to safely expand the addressable target space for ADCs to more desirable antigens is the use of antibody drug conjugates that are designed to be preferentially active in the tumor microenvironment and thus spare normal tissues. That is a good idea. Can you briefly tell us what the tumor microenvironment is? Sure. We hear about this term all the time. Tumor microenvironment refers to the close relationship between the occurrence, growth and metastasis of tumor, and the internal and external environment of tumor cells. It includes the structure, function, and metabolism of tumor tissues, and the internal environment of tumor cells. Why is the microenvironment of tumor different from that of normal tissue? Various imaging modalities have confirmed that, tumor microenvironments are slightly more acidic than normal tissues. Two interrelated mechanisms give us insights on why the acidity. They are hypoxia, and tumor metabolism. The inadequate vascularization in tumors, or the hypoxia, leads to the induction of hypoxia-inducible factor 1 that in turn upregulates the expression of carbonic anhydrase 9, glucose transporters, 
and glycolytic enzymes. So tumor cells adopt different metabolic processes than normal cells. Normal cells utilize glycolysis under anaerobic conditions, and mitochondrial oxidative phosphorylation under aerobic conditions, to maximize the generation of ATP per glucose molecule. In contrast, tumor cells preferentially depend on glycolysis even under aerobic conditions. This is a phenomenon known as aerobic glycolysis, or the Warburg effect. The reliance on aerobic glycolysis, ultimately results in the accumulation of lactic acid as a byproduct. And this is why the tumor environment is more acidic. Not surprisingly, when engineering ADCs, researchers are taking advantage of this pH difference to make ADCs, that bind preferentially under these conditions. What is proteolysis? And what happens if proteolysis goes wrong? Proteolysis is a highly regulated process under normal physiological conditions. Many proteases work in series, as part of proteolytic cascades with large amplification effects, such as coagulation and complement pathways. Therefore, an aberrant proteolytic event could trigger devastating consequences, if not for the intricate network of protease activators and inhibitors, required to maintain proteolytic homeostasis. Consequently, Dysregulated proteolytic activity is often the hallmark of many pathophysiological conditions, and protease inhibitors have been successfully approved to treat a number of indications, including hypertension, thrombosis, viral infection, and inflammation. Dysregulated extracellular proteolytic activity is also an important hallmark of most human cancers, because it is required to maintain key elements of the transformed phenotype, including growth invasion, and metastasis. And why are proteolytic environment necessary for the ADCs? It is necessary because this environment could be used to preferentially activate antibodies and other protein-based therapeutic agents in the tumor, while sparing normal healthy tissues, and there are several protease-activatable antibody formats. Can you tell us any protease-activatable antibody formats? Sure. Many actually have been described in the literature, and are in preclinical development. Several examples of the protease-activatable antibody formats worth mentioning are activatable trivalent antibodies, activatable dual-variable domain antibodies, cross-masking antibodies, extend platform in probity therapeutics. But are there concerns when designing ADCs by utilizing the proteolytic tumor microenvironment? Yes. Of course. Like the pH-sensitive antibodies described above, there are also general protein engineering trade-offs, associated with the entire class of protease-activatable antibodies. Some common concerns include, 1, the risk of immunogenicity from additional sequence extensions from the antibody scaffold, 2, the possibility that the proteolytic milieu in mouse xenografed tumors might not adequately model those in human tumors, and the identification of suitable protease substrates that are efficiently cleaved in the tumor microenvironment, but not within normal tissues. Now we know that the acidic tumor microenvironment and proteolytic tumor microenvironment are really different from the environment of normal tissue. Based on the difference between tumor and normal tissue microenvironment, what strategies can we adopt to improve ADC therapy? Two general strategies differential pH sensitivity, and protease activatability. 
they could be used to selectively deliver drug to a tumor. These strategies exploit two common attributes of the tumor microenvironment that differ from normal tissues, the slightly acidic pH in the tumor, and the dysregulated proteolytic tumor milieu. There is another similar class of therapeutic, the probody drug conjugates. So what is the probody therapeutics? And what is the relationship between probody therapeutics and probody drug conjugates? Probody therapeutics are a novel class of recombinant antibody-based therapeutics that target antibody activity to the tumor by taking advantage of the dysregulation of proteases in diseased tissues. The key components are called the predomain, they are two peptide sequences, encoded on the end terminus of the light chain of antibodies. The most advanced protease-activatable antibody drug conjugates are based on probity therapeutics. The potential of probity drug conjugates to widen the therapeutic index for highly expressed targets has been proposed previously. Some preclinical data have been reported on targeting the highly expressed antigens CD166 and CD71. There are two examples of probity drug conjugates. The first is an anti-jagged probity drug conjugates for which efficacy and on-target toxicity can be measured within the same in vivo mouse model system. The second example is a family of anti-CD166 probity drug conjugates that show how the interplay between mask strength, substrate choice, and efficacy can be used to fine-tune a probity drug conjugate. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and thoughts on ADC with us today. So by now, we have learned about the major issues arising in ADC therapy and some strategies to solve these issues. We also understand the conception of tumor microenvironment and learned about the probody drug conjugates. Would you like to conclude on today's topic? Sure, my pleasure. The development of new approaches to address the problems of on-target and off-target toxicities has generated a renewed sense of optimism in the ADC field. After a drought of ADC approvals in the past several years, there are multiple ADCs in pivotal trials for various solid and hematological cancer indications, and UADC technologies are also being tested in early clinical trials. We should expect the possibility that a combination of technologies may be needed to achieve the widest therapeutic window and realize the vision of ADCs replacing traditional chemotherapy as the backbone of oncology care. There definitely will be more ADC breakthrough in the near future.